Welcome to the Kingsway Christian Fellowship. We hope that you'll be blessed as you listen to this audio sermon streamed live from Melbourne, Australia. Kingsway Christian Fellowship is a family Bible-based non-denominational church preaching Jesus Christ, based in Wonturner. Visit www.kingswaychristianfellowship.com. Now here is Pastor Werner Schultz. Now we see here, and that's wonderful. I had somebody talking when we were on the streets once, and I said, if I can give you the proof, mathematical proof, that the Bible is right, and you can't speak against figures, figures are figures, is it right? They are there. And he said, possibly not. Even the proof mathematically would not cause him to say yes to Jesus. Why? Because he loved his sinful life more than the truth. And that's so tragically. And we know very clear that the Bible is the truth. And for me, if I would not be a Christian or even a pastor, and somebody would then, if I wouldn't have known anybody about Jesus and showed me the facts, real facts, not blind faith. That's what is with the so-called scientists or the evolutionists. They need blind faith. They say it was six million years ago. How do they know it? Oh, blind faith. We don't believe in the Bible by blind faith. We believe in the word of God because we trust God who is the truth. Amen. Hallelujah. Blessed be the wonderful name of Jesus. And that makes me so confident to preach the word of God against all odds in this world. And whoever would come and say, well, the Bible has been written by, by men. Right, sir, because the, the chickens couldn't write then either. Otherwise, if they would have been able to write, they would have, would have written it. But that's right. But the Bible says clearly we have this story even more. Even more sure, the prophetic word, and you do well that you take care or look at it as of a, if a light that shines in darkness till the day breaks, until the Lord comes, and that's the day we are waiting for. Amen. Hallelujah. Have you said everything in your life so that you can meet the Lord? Have you reject everything of the world? And so, Lord, I want to live for you. You are worth by living on this earth. And I want to preach this morning on two powerful forces. And we read in Romans chapter 5, verse 20b. But where sin increased, Grace abounded all the more. Amen. Do you understand something? But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Which is the stronger force? Sin or grace? Grace, hallelujah. Grace, grace. 
and let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your wonderful grace. And Lord, this morning we want to look into your wonderful word. And I thank you, Lord, that we can live by faith and through grace we have been saved. Hallelujah. And Lord, that is the gospel. And I thank you for this morning. I pray, give grace to speak your word. Give grace to receive your word. And also, Lord, give grace to act upon your wonderful word in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Hallelujah. I want to speak this morning about the powerful force of, about the power of grace. And we see in chapter Daniel 3 to chapter 12, and Daniel is speaking about some kingdoms, and all these kingdoms were then striving for world dominance. And there's the first kingdom the Bible speaks about, and Daniel was shown, and there was a dream Nebuchadnezzar had, you know, the kingdom of the Babylonian Empire. And the Babylonian Empire was shown by the golden head Daniel saw in a, or Nebuchadnezzar saw in a dream. And we know that this kingdom was wiped away. Another kingdom came, and that was the Medo-Persian kingdom. And it took place, and the kingdom of Babylon was gone. And also, the time after this um, Medo-Persian kingdom, there was another kingdom. The Greeks should know it, you know, all our Greek brothers and sisters in, in the back over there. It was the Grecian or the Greek Alexander there. Have you ever heard about it? Alexander the Great. And within a few years, he dominated then the so-called known world. And in 13 years, he did it. And when he was 30, three or years old, that's what history reports, he sat down and wept as a child. Why? The whole then known world was lying at his feet. There was nothing, nothing anymore to be conquered. And so he cried. And within two years, he died on alcoholism and on um, gluttony. Not only that, and then we read, and that's the other kingdom Daniel is speaking about. The Roman kingdom, we have heard about the Roman kingdom. And interesting it is, you know, in Germany or in Europe, there are everywhere signs that there was a Roman kingdom and they expanded that kingdom up to England and also perhaps into Ireland. No? Oh, they were scared. Perhaps, I don't know. 
but up to England and Germany, you have everywhere along the Rhine River, these castles then built by the Romans. And now these kingdoms vanished. And then if you go back in 18 something, you know, there was a French man and his name was Napoleon Bonaparte. Have you heard of him? And he conquered then uh, all of Europe. And then he was tempted to tease the Russian bear. And he made a move towards Russia. And he experienced something that the bear is too, cold, too strong and the land is too cold. And then he came back from Russia and then he was defeated by the Germans in 1812. There was a great kingdom, Napoleon Bonaparte. But then back in the last century, we are living now in the century after the 20th century. And there was another man, you know, this, this little Austrian man with a toothbrush under his nose. You know, you know this, and he came to Germany and the German people were open for him. And he made the German people hyped up. And you know, all the things, you know, today is Anzac Day. And many Australians went then over to Europe to help the Americans and the the English people, the British people, to fight against one man. It was Hitler. And here, he wanted to have dominance over all of Europe. And he himself was also enticed to attack the Russian bear. And the German military got crushed in Stalingrad. It was a time where Germany was suffering. The churches were suffering. It was a time, and I think that was his most or greatest mistake, when he touched God's people. If you touch God's people, you're touching your own or God's eye. Oh. And he was touching the Jews. And the Jews, six million Jews, were burned in the ovens of Auschwitz and other places in Germany. The people then were hyped up. And uh, if you understand German see perhaps these things, you would say, well, how could it be? Germans are usually, usually well-thinking people, that they got so mad that he hyped them up and he asked them the question, perhaps in Nuremberg or wherever these great uh, uh, gatherings were, do you want a total war? And guess what, what the Germans screamed when he hyped them up, yes, and we got the total war. Did you know 
that almost in every German family, at least one, either a father or a son, was murdered on the altar of Hitler's ideology. These were forces then. And then we know afterwards, there were also, and there's still two forces. And we know these forces are east against west. And if you look a little bit into politics nowadays, and it's so deputing, he wants to stay in power for many, many more years. And we see there is a struggle between east and west. In Germany, when Hitler was in power, and it was then that anything, they wanted to clean the German language. And so any, any word being used in Germany, which was not a real German knee or German that was put out of the dictionary. Everything should have been totally German. And so our Bible school principle, he was then in that, in these days in Berlin, a pastor. And he had a new girl born. I don't know, was it the third or fourth or whatever. He had to go to the registrar and get it registered. And he and his wife, they had a name for this girl. And the name of the girl should have been Judith. And the officers said, no, 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 no. That is Jewish. You can't take this. And then he asked him, do you have a suggestion? And he said, yes. Call a crystal. Okay. Write down crystal. And when he has written crystal, the ink was just a little, a little wet. And he said, by the way, that word crystal comes from Jesus Christ. And he was a Jew, by the way. Oh, now it was written already. And so we see here something. It was not easy in those days. And many Christians who were alert and knew the Bible and saw in Adolf Hitler a forerunner for the Antichrist. Not everyone worshipped him. And many Christians didn't have his picture somewhere in the house on the wall. That was expected. And everybody knew that Hitler is an, a, a forerunner of the Antichrist. Now, the first power I want to speak about, and the Bible says here, but where sin increased, and I want to speak about the power of sin, destructive power of sin. Where sin increased, and there's another wonderful power, that grace was abundant. How abundant. 
And that's what I want to speak. Sin increased in a very awful way. Now, what is sin? What does sin do? Sin separates. And I want to give you a little picture. Hopefully, you can follow me. And is this. We found out that sin is a typical German word. It's not somewhere just out of the Bible from the Hebrews and from the Jews and so no. We have to understand how do we spell sin, sin in German. Sünde, S-U-N-D-E. And on top of the U are two dots that changes the U into U. And then you know exactly what sin is, sin is. Now let's say there was somewhere a peninsula. You know, a peninsula is a half or half a, an island. It's surrounded by three sides, but on one side, it's still connected to the mainland. Something that happened perhaps by a storm and a great flood, this so-called peninsula got caught up, uh, cut up, up by, by a storm. And water came between the mainland and this peninsula now became an island. And this little bit of water, perhaps 10 or 20 kilometers or even more, as we know, Tasmania belongs actually to Australia. Also landmass. And they say formerly Australia, Victoria and Australia. Tasmania, where one piece you could go to Tasmania and walk. But that's what is now between the mainland and the now new island is being called in German Sund, S-U-N-D. And we have in English and a word asunder. What does that mean? Asunder. Something has been separated. Asunder. And you have in English this part of, of word S-U-N-D. And this sun or this we call sin. That's where sin comes from. We know man was in the presence of God. For Adam was no problem to believe in God. Amen. He saw him and every evening the Lord came at the cool of the evening and visited Adam and Eve. And he knew after the sin, then he started to hide them. He knew God is coming. And if he would have had a watch, he could have said at six o'clock, God is going to come and visit us. And what did Adam and Eve do? God called Adam, where art thou? God knew already what happened. And what does the Bible say? Adam said, we feared you. How come the night before when God came, there was sweet fellowship. There was joy. 
in the presence of God, something happened that cut Adam and Eve away from God. And what happened? We call it the fall. In German, we have it even clearer said. Sündenfall. That means the fall where sin came into the life of Adam and Eve. Now, sin is a reality. And the Bible says, there where sin has increased, the grace of God is even more abundantly, hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful that we don't have to live under the force of sin? We are living under the power of grace, hallelujah. Grace is not some kind of wishy-washy where God doesn't start counting anymore. Grace is something that sets us free, sets us free from the power of sin, amen? Sin is horrible. And sin separates. Now, Adam and Eve, they knew then after they have sinned, that sin separated them from, from God. They couldn't go into the clean and wonderful presence of God any longer. Then her life or their lives would have been exposed and sin was in the open. That's why we hid. From you. Sin separates and it brings a, let me put this way, a gulf in between God and man. That's why people who live in sin can't have fellowship with God. They don't want any fellowship with God. The Bible says very clearly also that men lived or liked sin or darkness more than light. And Jesus is the light. God is the light. Now, as I said, then when Adam and Eve haven't sinned, we read that eternity and time was together. The God out of eternity came into time. And they could talk to each other. And they spoke. And God said, very clearly, where are you? And then he started to excuse himself that the wife you gave me. You know this, the old things. Men, weak men only. Strong men don't do that. Weak men always blame their wife. Is it right? Yes. The wife you gave me, Eve you gave me, and she gave me to eat something of the fruit. There was a little story, and the story goes like this. Mom, she brought something wonderful, perhaps a nice fruit home. And she said, don't eat of it because I want to have this for visitors. And we children know what happens, you know? You know what happens. And then this little girl 
She ate something. Mom came home. Where is the fruit? Perhaps, I don't know. A wonderful fruit. And the cat was there as well and ran around. And the little girl looked around. There was nobody to blame. Her older brother was not there. And then the cat came and passed by. And the little girl said, the cat did it. So we always try to find somebody to blame. Now, and this, this is very clear. Now, sin reached into man's life, into every family, and every household. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, the Bible says, But your iniquity have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you. Sin is a blockage between God and man. And this is a very fact. Sin is deadly and fatal. People say something, no, no, uh, don't call it sin. It's a little mistake. They did. No, it's not just a bad choice. Sin is sin. Do you agree with it? It's Elijah who says it. It says the Bible. And sin has consequences. Sin does separate. And that's very important to understand. It's your sin that separates me from you, God says in Isaiah 59. Sin is deadly. I remember when I was a young man, about 18, 19 years, and there was in Germany, we were handing out tracts and inviting people to come to tent meetings. Tent meetings in those days, they're frequently. And that was the great way to reach people. We had huge tents, invited people to come. And I was somewhere there, and I came to the door, and a lady opened the door, and she looked at me and said, I want to invite you to the tent meeting, and so on. And I said, I believe in Jesus Christ. And she looked. You? And I was a, a guy... Very innocent. I looked innocent. Like Matthew. Like Matthew. And I said, well, I, I believe in Jesus. I, I confess my sin to him. As simple as I knew it then. And then she said, no, no. You, you didn't have any sin in this age. You don't have it. But in my heart, I knew very, very clear. I was a sinner, and sin separated me from God. And sin is destructive. Sin has destructed and destroyed many, many families, marriages, and so on. <clears throat> sin is a disgrace for any people, the Bible says. And the Bible says clearly, 
in Proverbs 14, 38. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Sin is not smartness. No. Sin in the sight of God is horrible. Have you ever understood? And has the Spirit of God shown you very clearly that sin, no matter when you did it, sin is sin. It's horrible, horrible in the sight of God. And sin is eating away like cancer is eating away the strength of our body. Now, the Bible says, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. There's another power that is stronger than sin. Amen. Can I hear an amen? Grace is stronger than sin. Hallelujah. Grace doesn't allow you to sin and say, oh, well, there was just a little mistake. No. Grace forces you no longer to ally with sin because you do appreciate the grace of God. When you go to heaven, you might ask John Newton. You might ask him, how did you appreciate the grace of God? You know his song. You know his song. Amazing grace. Amazing. Perhaps we don't understand that word amazing. Anybody here who is even better than me in English, what could you say? Amazing grace. What word could you put into amazing grace? That means there's something wonderful, full of wonders. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Once. I was lost and now I'm found. Was blind and now I see. It's the difference between being blind and having vision. That's the difference between sin and grace. Don't rest on the grace and say, well, I can do what I want. I am living in grace. If you live in grace, then the acts of grace in your life had to be shown. Can I hear an amen? It has to be shown. People should see it in your life. Otherwise, you might become hypocrites. Now, even if we label sin differently, it doesn't make it better. It doesn't cause God to close both eyes and say, oh, yeah, go ahead. No. If we have understood the ugliness of sin, is there any worse word I could use than ugliness? Is there any word... Stronger than ugly? I don't know. 
I'm not long enough here in Australia. I haven't practiced the English language, not enough. I can't find any other word more condemning and ugly than the word of ugly. Sin is ugly. And that's what is important. If we don't understand that sin is ugly, we would not easily yield into sin. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, the verse uh, 7 rather, the verses 18 and 19. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. The best you might have on you and in you is perhaps your suit or your nice dress or whatever. But within me, Paul says clearly, there is nothing, 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 and even less than nothing good. Do you understand it? Anybody here say, oh, oh, yeah. there's a little bit of good. How much of good is there? Within me, I know there's nothing good unless the grace of God or Jesus comes into our life. Then there's heaven on earth in you, Jesus in you. Hallelujah. That's so important. Hallelujah. Now, psychologists call it dysfunctional behavior, making a mistake, doing the wrong choice. You know, I skip so many choice preachers. Say, so, well, uh, you just did the wrong choice. You had choices and you didn't get the right one. You made the wrong choice. No, you sinned. And that's important that you repent of your sin. And the only power against sin is repentance and the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Anybody here perhaps sinned this week? I don't know what, don't name it. But I tell you, it's ugly. It costed Jesus his blood. And he went to the cross in order to purchase you from your sin. But where sin increases, Grace is even more abundant. Hallelujah. Now, the power of grace. With grace increase, we see the increasing power of grace in our time. Now, many things we see today. I didn't have a clue when I was a young man, like you young boys or men in the back. I didn't have a clue. I grew up in a Christian family and I got involved with pastors and young people in pioneer work. And all we had were Christians around us and we were on the streets and preaching them and so on. And I just want to encourage everyone, all those who go on the street and preach, no matter what the reaction of the people might be, you preach the word of God. And the word of God will do its 
job. Hallelujah. What is grace? Grace originates from the cross. Hallelujah. I think, Pastor Gary, you did a series when we were still in lockdown of the sayings of Jesus from the cross. And that's so wonderful. This is wholesome preaching. From the cross is flowing a river. And that's a river of grace and mercy for everyone. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The abounding power of grace. What is grace? It comes from the cross. Romans 1.18 says, For the word of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man who suppresses the truth of unrighteousness. Now from the cross, Jesus took our sins upon himself and he suffered for our sins. Jesus broke the power of canceled sin. Can I hear an amen? Hallelujah. Jesus broke the power of what? And that's what I think Charles Wesley sang. He canceled the power. He broke the power of canceled sin. Hallelujah. Anything that's been canceled is being canceled. It doesn't exist anymore. Praise the Lord. Grace brings salvation to all men. And that is wonderful. We don't have to be especially religiously tuned. I heard often people say, well, uh, I'm not as religious as you. Who told you that I'm religious? I'm not. Anybody agrees with me that I'm not religious? Yes, I'm not religious. But I'm under the grace of God. My sins have been forgiven. Amen, amen, hallelujah. Oh, how wonderful it is. That is the grace of God. And the Bible says in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. And listen, grace shows us the willingness of God to forgive. God forgave all my sins. Praise the Lord. I haven't written it down, but my dear brother, show, look at me. Do you remember the day when you came to the Lord? Yes? Did you know I preached on this word? Where the word, for the grace of God appeared to all men. Hallelujah. And this grace does something. There's a changing process in our life. If the grace of God hasn't changed you as yet. You should come and receive this grace of God. 
It was in Chicago. Have you ever heard of Charles Finney? A great revivalist in America. A great preacher. And he preached in Chicago. And we know the word Chicago means gangster, almost. You know? If you think of Chicago, there were the gangsters. And he was preaching perhaps a whole week. We had in, in the olden days, we had evangelistic meetings at least one week every night or two weeks. And when we were in Bonn many, many years ago, when I was a young man, we had six weeks every night gospel meeting in Bonn. And we preached the gospel. And after six weeks, a church was founded with about 50 people. Hallelujah. Now, so Charles Finney was preaching night overnight in this place. And his theme was the grace of God. These preachers, they could, uh, could work on one word. And make it so alive. Preaching on the word, the grace of God, perhaps one week, two weeks. And one night, he came to this hall. And at the exit, when he went into the hall, there was a man. And this man spoke to him, Mr. Finney, can I ask you a question? Would you be able to come with me after this meeting? Come with me home? And he sensed, and he said, yes. All the pastors already sitting on the platform, having their knees crossed. And they saw when Finney came in, and there was a guy talking to him. And he said to him, what did he say? What did he want of you? Pastors sometimes curious, aren't they? What did he want of you? Do you know this man? He said, no, I have no idea. What did he want of you? Oh, he just asked me whether after this meeting tonight, I could go with him. Don't, don't, don't go with him. Do you know him? No, don't go with him. He said, I said, yes. And it stays by that, with that. He preached on that night again about the wonderful grace of God. There's so much to preach about the grace of God. It's the greatest thing God has given us. By grace, we have been saved. Amen. Anybody here otherwise been saved and by grace, show me your hand. No, no, you're not. And he preached again about the wonderful grace. The meeting finished. And at the exit, this particular man waited for him. Charles Finney. He went to him. And this man said, just follow me. Charles Finney followed him. 
He went through dark lanes in Chicago. You have to go sometimes here in Melbourne, are also very dark lanes. No? About Chicago. Uh, and all of a sudden he stopped and opened a door, a little door, and said, go in, I come behind you. They went into that little door, and there he stood. Reached into his pocket and produced a gun. You know, in America, the gun law then was even more loose. And he pointed a gun towards Charles Finney. He said, Mr. Finney, is that true what you preached? Is it true? He said, yes. Every word is true. You don't know me who I am. I am the most respected gangster here in Chicago. And you don't know what I did. Is it true what you preached? Is it true that this grace is for everybody? He said, yes. The grace of God appeared to all men. And he said, well, I have some more to tell you. And I just want to know, is it true? Because this gun should show I mean business with it. I'm guilty of destroying families and marriages. I had a pup. And people came, and the last dollar I took out of their pockets by offering them grok or whatever you call it. And then they came home, and there was then horrible, horrible situations. I am the cause of all these dilemmas of families and marriages. Is that true what you preach? Is it true? Is this grace for me too? He said, yes. For everyone, God said, the grace of God appeared to everyone. Hallelujah. There's no one excluded from that grace of God. And when he heard this, he put his gun back into his pocket, opened the door, and said, you can go. Something happened in this man. He understood this preacher from tonight. He means business with me. He means business with God. Then he went into his cellar where all the bottles of grocks were, you know, and and wines, and, and uh, I don't know, I, I'm a non-alcoholic. I have got no idea how many sorts of this devil stuff is around in this world. The only thing is schnapps, if it's a German word, but I don't drink it. And so he went into the cellar, 
open it and let it down the drain, smash the bottle. And then he went upstairs into his office, sitting down, his hands between, or his head between his hands. And then he started to pray. Say, God, is it true that you can forgive all my sins? Everything I did, we have got no idea what's happening in the underworld sometimes, even here in Australia. We have got no idea. Sins upon sins upon sins. And he was sitting there, writing down, crying and praying to God. And he was praying, and then all of a sudden, the sun shone through. The whole night, he was sitting there, confessing his sins to God. And he heard something downstairs in the kitchen, his wife. She prepared breakfast. His wife knew if he had a bad night, he was explosive like a volcano. If she just would call him for breakfast and ask him, would you come for breakfast, please? He would have been angry, angry, angry. I don't know why sometimes men are so angry. Can men get angry? Oh, boy. And she said, her daughter was there and said, go and call daddy for breakfast. She didn't dare to get up the stairs. She stood down on the stairs and called up, daddy, breakfast is ready. Come for breakfast, please. He opened the door, stood on the top of the ladder, of the staircase, looked down. He had a night spent in, in repentance before God. When he looked down, he said, come a little bit closer, darling. She never had heard this word darling from the mouth of his father, of her father. She ran back into the kitchen and said, Mom, Mom, God, Daddy said, darling, to me. She came, and there they stood down on the staircase, looking up, and he said, from today on, you will have a new father and a new husband. I've experienced the grace of God. It is true what Charles Finney preached there. It is true. And here they lay each other in arms and the joy and salvation came to this home. Where sin increased, grace has abandoned all the more. Hallelujah. This is grace. This is grace. Not a cheap 
I'm sorry. No, no. This was grace being repented for. His heart was broken by the Spirit of God. That's the work God does in a heart that is prepared to repent of his or her sins and come to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This grace is still the same. Grace. Grace. Grace that will pardon and bring peace within. Grace, 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 grace that is greater than all my sin. Hallelujah. There's all because of Jesus. All because of your Jesus, all because of my Jesus, I believe in. Hallelujah. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you understand now? Where sin, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your grace. I never, ever, ever could come in the right relationship with you, O oh God, if it wouldn't have been for the grace of God. And Lord, I want to serve you for the grace of God I experience. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord, it is worth my suffering in this world for the dearest grace I and we have experienced. Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen, amen. With sin increase, grace abounded all the more. Hallelujah. Charis. Charis, that's a Greek word for grace. And it is interesting, the word of kara, not these, dear sister here, in, in Greek, gar, kara, is the word for joy. Is that right? It's a word for joy. Grace and joy are together. A person that experiences the grace of God is also full of joy. Amen. Hallelujah. Have you experienced the grace of God? Amen. Let this joy be complete in you. Lord, I bless my brothers and sisters. I thank you, Lord, for that grace. I'm a beneficiary of this grace as well. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. May the grace of God be with you today. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah.
So, well, there's a little bit of perhaps coffee or tea and some biscuits. Hallelujah. Grace is so expense, expensive. Don't handle it cheaply. God bless you, please.